We want to continue a, a very important conversation that has been uh, further fueled by a, by a heartbreaking and stunning discovery, the 215 children's bodies discovered outside an old residential school in Kamloops. Yeah, it has. Uh, it, I say it's an important conversation that has now been further fueled because this has always been an important conversation. But really, that that harsh spotlight shone by this this tragic uh, discovery and the tragic events uh, that that brought this discovery. It has a lot of people talking, and that I think is a good thing. Aaron Paquette is a city councillor here in Edmonton in in Ward Four. He's made tea. He has uh, clearly th- this is an emotional uh, issue for him as well. He's joining us now live on six thirty Ched Morning. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Good morning, Daryl. Thank you. You know what? Uh, th- this has prompted new conversation and reflection and, and, and anger and confusion and so much more. Just, can you give me an idea what kind of conversations you have been having? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been complicated. You know, I've been getting a lot of calls from residents who are saying, you know, we have to do something. The, you know, they say, I knew about residential school but I had no idea that it was as bad as the stories that are coming out now. Yeah. I had no idea that these were more like concentration camps in some cases, and in some cases more like uh, a horror movie. And, but we've heard these, and I guess it's frustrating uh, for, for many in, in, in the Indigenous community throughout Canada saying, that, but we have already told you these things, and it required the graves of 215 children to really make you sit up and take notice. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you never know what's going to shock people into a awareness. This, apparently it was one of those things. You know, these are stories that uh, I've heard growing up, and I think that uh, what's what we're seeing here is that it's you can imagine your own child in this situation. Yeah. You can imagine someone coming and forcibly taking your child away from you out of your arms and taking them to a place where you know what's happening, but you can't do anything about it. And 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 then it's what happens afterward. Horrible enough to have a child taken from your arms. Yes, it's what has happened to some of them, many of them afterward, uh, that is really being uh, spotlighted, highlighted now. That's right. And so, you know, many children died of uh, of neglect, uh, of starvation, of disease. Um, some were frankly outright murdered mm-hmm. and uh this is something that we have to come to terms with and it's not an easy conversation and the reason that it's complex is because a lot of people want to deny that these things happen even though this this proof is staring us right in the face we've had people in government denying what happened at residential school and that has to stop it has to stop today the, um, and I, rather than calling them out, I would call them in, invite them in and say, let's have an adult conversation about this. Uh, the intensity of, uh, of some of your conversations seems to have been ramped up by this. As, as I look through social media and some of the interactions, some of the posts that you put out, uh, you're intensifying uh, how this conversation is going. Is that a fair assessment? I would, I would say that's, that's fair. I think that uh, this is an opportunity to start telling the truth and to because here's the thing Daryl if we keep pushing this aside if we keep sweeping it under the rug how are we ever supposed to get past it 
it will just keep popping up and popping up. Mm-hmm. We've got to face this full on and say enough is enough. Let's just acknowledge this. Let's educate people. And then let's investigate and do something about it. I, I, I want to play a comment uh, from, from an earlier interview I had on uh, on this program. I talked with Veldon Coburn. He's a professor at the University of Ottawa's Institute of Indigenous Research and Study. He is Aboriginal. I asked him if, at the very least, this story, uh, this revelation, uh, will shine a brighter light on survivors now and their stories, so that the rest of the country might actually be listening now, if not before. Uh, I just want to play this for you. Here's what he said. Yeah, I mean, nothing sharpens the attention more than a mass grave of hundreds of children's remains, and and and, and it's um, yeah, it's a very blunt instrument to shock our consciousness, and I, I think we're awakening something very, uh, very painful and horrific. Yeah, we're awakening that. But it, I, I, as you try to wrap your head around this, uh, Aaron, I, 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 I want to try and find a positive, and, and I think the only one that there is is that if those survivors' stories have been ignored in the past, which they should not have been, they, they cannot be now. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, a lot of people think this is a dark chapter in our history. No, this is ongoing. It happened to people who are here today. My own uh, father-in-law went to residential school. In my family, uh, people went to residential school. But it just stopped there. And that's what we're going to learn. It's not just residential school. It's forced adoptions. It's uh, you know an almost casual racism toward Indigenous people, where people also say, stop being a victim to the very people who were victimized. And we've got to start changing that narrative. Uh, can you give me an idea of how that has permeated uh, a family uh, from your own point of view? Uh, I would think that sort of, that, that frames the rest of your life. I mean, lots of lots of us have had maybe some trauma as a child or something like, like that, you know, and I don't want to downplay what anybody else has gone through. But I'm trying to just wrap my head around about having this kind of trauma in the background and how that could impact a family for years and years and years afterward. Well, of course, think about it. You, you get taken, your child gets taken away from you. You can't raise your child. They suffer unimaginable uh, harm. They come back, have their own children who are then taken away, who also suffer this unimaginable harm. After generations of this, you'd think that a community would be utterly destroyed. So if it wasn't for the strength of Indigenous culture, it wasn't for the love of families persisting, um, the plan would have worked. There would be no Indigenous people left, as we understand it. And uh, so my wife and I, you know, we've been very intentional about the fact that we have to start breaking those chains and raise our children in homes full of love and support. And, uh, you know, this is something that every uh, Indigenous family deals with and copes with. And it's definitely a process and a journey. Does the the outpouring of concern, emotion, and even affection. We've had uh, vigils at the legislature where people have come out to, to show their, their support or to say, I am listening, I am paying attention. Uh, how much does that help? Is it considered lip service? What, what do you think? No, I think that it helps. 
Um, and I know that it's unsatisfying because we really want, uh, you know, anyone hearing the story is saying, why doesn't government take more action? You know, why are we just sort of virtue signaling in their, in their minds? But the fact is just being validated, just being heard. For a lot of folks, this is the first time in their lives that that's happened. In many ways, we live in two different worlds, um, which is really unfortunate because that was intentional by the hands of the uh, federal government. We have different histories uh, and different understandings of what Canada is. You know, a lot of Indigenous folks have relayed to me that in the back of their mind, right on the edges, is always this fear that someone's going to come and take their children. And it's not because they've got an unreasonable fear, it's because this is still within our generation. And I think that a lot of people... um, can relate to the horror of what that might mean, but to see that this is an actual stark reality, that people fear for the safety of their children even today because of these actions is ever-present. There is clearly a backlash against the Catholic Church because they ran the residential schools, but also against looking at the the government had ordered that. They they facilitated it. It Part of my conversation earlier as well, you know, uh, the church officials who ran these schools, they could have chosen to do it with love. Instead, it seems that they did it with with disdain and a disregard for the humanity of the individuals that were involved. Uh, There has been a lot of backlash about getting, about removing some of the honors for for different uh, uh, Roman Catholic uh, bishops etc that were connected to residential schools what do you think we should do should should we go down that road is that an important uh, choice to make or not to make that is a very important conversation and that's something that has to be driven by community uh you know indigenous and non-indigenous communities coming together to talk about these things because it is complicated on one hand you want to honor the people who affected you or who helped build the world that you know and enjoy but on the other hand, these are the same names of people who uh, were the architects of so much horror. And so what do you do? And how do you contextualize it? Um, you know, for example, I know that uh, uh, for s- some of our population, um, the name Winston Churchill brings up a lot of, uh, a lot of complex emotions. Do you change the name or do you contextualize it? I don't know. I think every situation is going to be a little bit different. Uh, yeah, a lot of conversations. I don't think that this is going away because there are a lot of people who believe that there will be more of these sites found. And again, through the Truth and Reconciliation Report and Survivor Stories, we know that there are grave sites, and, we, and there, some of them are marked, but it, it, it's, it's, it's a question of whether there will be more. And, I, and that, there will that, be more. Yeah, and that, that movement to find them, and that movement to find them is, is going forward. Yeah, at last. You know, the original request was denied. Um, and it, the cost at the time would have been $1.5 million, which sounds like a lot. But when we're talking about government budgets, you know, we hear a a bunch of numbers and we can't wrap our heads around it. $1.5 million, just imagine this is like a drop in a bucket in a pool of government money. uh, It sounds like a lot. And uh, every penny has to be counted, of course. But uh, it's not a lot to ask to finally uncover the truth so we we can actually heal which is something that hasn't happened yet. Aaron Paquette, thank you for your time this morning. Thank you, and thanks for having this important conversation. You bet.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.